Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. On this week's episode, we will discuss Jim Harbaugh's latest proposal for a change in eligibility rules and his comments on NIL legislation. Plus, Michigan remains busy on the recruiting trail and could the Wolverines' season opener at Washington be in jeopardy? All that and more on this week's episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Now, as you can probably deduce from our opening, there is no Andrew on this week's podcast. He is taking his mandatory furlough, and uh, I know he's typically the kind of the glue that keeps this podcast on track, but you know what? I grabbed some scotch tape today, and we're going to try to push through here and see if we can deliver uh, an A-plus podcast here with Aaron. Yeah, this is probably the first time we've recorded one without Andrew in a while. I, I think you and I tried one last summer, I want to say. I think is, so. Is that right? I thought I thought it went pretty well, and, and sure enough, it yeah, had some we, technical difficulties. And <laughs> we recorded it was like recording. a 30, 35 minute thing. I thought it was really good. We went in depth on position groups and things, and we recorded it fine. And we went to upload it, and the recording was choppy or something. It wasn't yeah, the random just silent spots, even when we knew yeah. we were talking. So we just decided to cut it and. Andrew never knew how great of a podcast it was. So hopefully hopefully he's having a good time this week, enjoying his time with his family, maybe watching some New York Mets highlights from their glory days. Who who really knows? But hopefully yeah. uh, he enjoy. Go ahead. No, it's in a serious note. I mean, we mentioned Andrew's on a furlough right now. It's an unpaid furlough, and it's it's one one that our company and our industry as a whole is going through. I'm sure many of our listeners have been reading now, there have been many newspapers and news agencies across the country that have had to slash budgets for advertising reasons. It, it just comes down to fewer people are advertising the news right now, given the current state of the, econo- the economy. I mean, people just companies have, have don't they don't have as much money as they did before. They're they're deciding not to advertise for the time being, and, and it's hurting us. It's hurting us. It's hurting uh, other news organizations across the state and across the country. And it's one of the reasons why I believe M Lives. You know, we, we've made this push um, the last few weeks for a voluntary subscription model. Um, we're not requiring any, any of our readers to participate, but we do ask for those of you listening that enjoy the, listening to this podcast on a regular basis, um, if you read MLive daily and find that MLive is, is your source for news, we, we ask that you, you know, you step up and help us out. Right? I think we were asking for $9.99 a month. Um, it's about, like I said before, it's a voluntary subscription. You're not required to do it. It's not going to determine whether or not you can read on live in the future but if you have the means right now and you're, and you're doing well financially and you're able to to um, pay for us we ask you to to do that um, at least for those that aren't subscribed to the newspaper um, so if, to do that just go down live.com our homepage. there's a banner across the top for how to subscribe it's pretty easy um, you can subscribe for ten dollars a month and we, we ask we thank you for your support in the past and, and we'll thank you again for your, your support in the future because um, over the next couple of months, Ryan and myself will have to be go, will have to go through furloughs as well. Uh, they're not nice, you know. You have to file for unemployment, as I'm sure some of you listening have had to do already. Um, but it's a sign of times. Uh, we're all going through it. Hopefully, we can all get through this on the on the other side too. 
Most definitely. And I know uh, you and I have chatted throughout almost every day throughout this, uh, throughout this pandemic. And a lot of it's just sharing story ideas and just stuff we see online and whatnot. But we don't, haven't really talked much about how, how we're doing or what we've been doing during this, this pandemic. And um, yeah, I wonder what, what have you been up to <laughs> during, during this time being uh, isolated in your apartment? Mostly, my I, I'm telling, I'm telling someone this that like last week, my life hasn't changed a ton. I mean, I, we, you and I, I think we both generally work from home anyway, so this hasn't been a right. huge change from a work perspective. Now we, we do go in the office maybe once or twice a week, at least for my, maybe I'm, I shouldn't be speaking for you, Ryan, but usually I go in once, I would go in for once or twice a week, mainly to record this podcast in our studio, um, but I would mainly work from home, so that hasn't changed a ton. Um, you know, I've I've continued to work out as much as I did before. I'm, I will admit I'm watching a lot more cable news than I have in the past, which probably isn't isn't a good thing. But I'm also trying to stay up to date on what's going on because everything's changing on a regular basis. And the one the one difference I think has been just the inability to to go out and see friends and go to the bar on the weekends and just be social. Um, you know, I, I do see you know I'll see some people every now and then. I, I do still go see my parents every every once in a while, um, and there there's my you know my significant other. But other than that, life hasn't changed a ton for me. What, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, been a lot more uh, stagnant uh, in some instances. I mean, yeah, not playing hockey for, uh, it's been two two months now. And so I've kind of had to find other ways to work out. Obviously, I would go to the gym a lot as well and doing a lot more running, which I don't like to do, um, a few <laughs> other things. But uh, yeah, watching more TV, doing a little, doing a little bit more reading. But uh, yeah, ready for things to Open, hopefully open back up at some point. But at this point, yeah, it is like you said, things are changing every day. So you just don't really know what's, what's going on. So no, you don't. Watching a few old sports highlights now, but not, uh, not too, too, not, I can't really sit and watch like a whole game from, from the past, like, like some people have, but it's, it's cool to kind of catch up on and re- remember some cool sporting moments and memorable moments. But yeah, just uh, plugging through here at this point. So I'm in, I'm in the same boat with you. It's it's tough to watch, you know, like games that already happened, just because you know the outcome and you know how they're going right. to 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 end. And I think that's the one nice thing about sports is it's it's you know you get something new every time, and you don't know how a game's going to go, and you think you know who's going to win the game, but it, it doesn't necessarily always work out that way. Uh, so if, I think if that's we, one, if we. Yeah. If we knew what was going to happen before before the game started, our jobs would be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, <laughs> no kidding. I will say I did watch uh, God, a week or two ago. They they were they had the game five of the two thousand four NBA Finals, the Pistons and Lakers on, mm-hmm. I think ESPN or something. Uh, I did watch that because you know, I remember growing up and you know watching the game, and it was cool to relive those memories. And you, it, it was just it's crazy to watch just the difference in like. TV production quality and just the, oh, the, for the sure. change of the game. Like even then, I mean, it was all, the game was only like what 15, 16 years ago, and the jerseys are very, vastly different from how the players wear them now. I just it's crazy to watch some of those times and just how different times are nowadays. But it was it was fun to relive some of those memories. At the same time, you know how it was going to end. I mean, you knew the Pistons right. were going to win and everything else. So anyway, you know, it's, that was for fun. sure. But yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, actually some some notable Michigan news too. Jim Harbaugh uh, made a, a few headlines this past week. First off, starting with yeah, what he had to say about his uh, proposal to college football and, and what kind of he would like to to see um, change. Yeah, Jim released a two-page letter uh, to the I think that he addressed, he addressed it to the football community at large uh, last Thursday. 
it was distributed by a Michigan football team spokesman, although Harbaugh clarified in the letter that his, his beliefs and his thoughts don't necessarily reflect the Michigan Athletic Department. Yeah, Jim came out with a two-page letter, kind of with a proposal for his changes to, to college football and the NFL, just in terms of eligibility and, and players' ability to leave. Um, it's important to point out, and I pointed, I wrote, I pointed out when I wrote the story last week. This isn't the first time Jim has mentioned this. Uh, last October, Jim mm-hmm. kind of brought this idea up when he was asked about pending uh, NIL legislation in the state of California. Uh, he he said that he thought the players should be able to leave for the NFL at any time, essentially after their first season. It wasn't made that big of a deal at that point, um, but Jim is choosing now to, to kind of bring that into the focus in the public. Uh, he did it with a two-page letter. It was a pretty well-written letter. It was detailed in, in just his beliefs and um, you know the, the little nuances that go along with it. But yeah, he wants, like I said before, he you know he believes that a player, at least he believes that a college football player should be able to leave for the pros for the NFL draft, basically at any point. Um, you know, essentially it comes down to after his first season because a player does have to go to college at some point and, and make it through a season. Um, but he wants them to, to leave at, at their own their own choosing. Now, part of his proposal is to allow student-athletes the ability, student-athletes and their families, the ability to um, confer with an agent and confer with an, uh, an attorney or a lawyer before, you know, during the decision-making process. And then if the player, and he goes as far as to say if the player goes undrafted or goes undrafted and doesn't sign a contract with an NFL team, they should be able to go back to play to play in college, kind of like what we're starting to see with college basketball. Um, I think that – isn't that how hockey is now at some point too? Is hockey like that? No, so hockey you can typically either get drafted depending on so, your draft year, but you can either get drafted before you even head to college okay. or after. And you can yeah, – you that team owns your rights throughout right. your college right. career, but you can sign uh, after, or you could sign during the season if, if you really choose to. Um, so it's a little bit different. But, okay, it's, um, I, I guess it's what he's what Jim is proposing here is kind of more in line with what other sports want. I mean, you you see several sports where guys, like you said, guys guys can get drafted out of high school baseball. That that happens. Um, guys that you know, right now currently. The NFL, again, and this has been, which I think Jim was conflating this in his letter, and he's, he's conflated it in, in subsequent interviews since he released this letter last week. But he, he's making the argument that some, from, some college student-athletes, football players, believe the NCAA is holding them back um, by not being able to leave the NFL sooner. The issue is this is an NFL rule, not a college rule. The NFL has stipulated right. that you must be three years removed from high school to enter the NFL draft. If you are not, they will not let you, let you enter the draft. Um, so it's it's more of an NFL thing. Now the NCAA has, has gone about it, and they've they've also stipulated additionally that if you do declare for the NFL draft currently, you can't come back. Your eligibility is gone. So it, for the, for this to work, I wrote about it last week. I think last Friday or Thursday, or whenever the letter came out the next day, I wrote about it. You know, Jim, these are some good ideas. Um, they make sense in in the grand scheme of things, but to to get this to happen. A lot needs to happen. I mean, you need the NFL to change the rule. You need, you need the NFL Players Association to get, on, to get on board with that. And then you need the NCAA to lift their, their rule on the ability to come back. So there's a lot to suggest here. Not only that, not only what I said with Jim's proposal, but he's also proposing that schools pay for the rest of a student-athlete's education. Should, should a football player leave early for, for the NFL or, or pros or whatever uh, without – graduating they should have the ability to come back to school after their pro career ends and the school pays for it um so i think that's a little it's it's, it's a nuance zone in there i thought it was interesting and i think would garner favor among most student athletes and their parents just because you know as jim mentioned it, it it's the ability to let the student athlete 
have their cake and eat it too, if you believe in that euphemism. But like, he he wants them to have a college college um, the ability to have a college career, and then if they're good enough, leave the NFL early enough, and then come back and graduate and get a degree. So it's it, it's an interesting proposal. Like I said before, it's one that part of it at least Jim has thrown out there before he did last fall. It just wasn't made a big deal about. But it, I think the timing here is interesting, and it, I think it's one of the reasons why Jim released it right now is because there's no sports going on right now. There's nothing to talk about. We're talking about whether football season is going to happen, and if it does, how it's going to happen. So there, Jim, Jim, is, Jim was smart in this regard. I mean, it was, it was something he said that he's been thinking about this for a couple of years now. He just hasn't put pen to paper and written it out in, in whole. Uh, but it's an ability for him to, th- to thrust this idea into the conversation, in the sports conversation, to, to be debated. And that's how Jim kind of ended his letter. He said, you know, he's like, I welcome debate on this. This is what I believe. Go ahead and debate it and, and throw it out there and everything else. And, and Jim's done this before. We saw last summer he threw out the idea for a one-time transfer rule um, that's, that is, currently isn't in place. It hasn't been in place in the past. But now it looks like it's, gonna, it's, it's gotten legs and everything else. So Jim feels like he has the ability to do this. He chose to do it. I think it was a good timing move. Whether this happens, like I said before, a lot needs to happen for this for right. his, his proposal to go in place. Yeah, I mean, if it does come to fruition at some point, you would kind of think that you would expect it to kind of maybe close the gap between the college football elites and some of those programs that are kind of knocking on the door. I mean, if you take away a, a Trevor Lawrence or uh, Justin Fields after one or two years at Ohio State or Clemson. I mean, you have to replace those guys. It's going to be harder to do. So, I mean, maybe it's a, a little bit of a ploy by Harbaugh too to maybe kind of see if Michigan can kind of take that next step and, and able and get be able to compete for with some of those uh, nations best as well. Um, but yeah, like you said, for, I think there are some issues there though that that could arise. I mean, yeah, if a, a, stu- a student athlete wants to enters his name in the NFL draft and doesn't get drafted and decides to come back to school, maybe someone, uh, a player that's already on the roster decided not to transfer because he thought that opening was going to be there. And if he comes back, maybe, maybe there's a late transfer in there too. So I think there would have to be changes of the transfer portal as well. So I could see more transfers coming because of that. And may, and how, how many freshmen are typically ready for the M, uh, NFL after one year? I mean, I could see maybe two years, mandatory to, to be in college before going to the NFL, but I just don't see a drastic rule change for, for all athletes after one year, because I just don't think there's that many college football players that are ready for the NFL um, after their freshman year. And maybe that could lead to more injuries at the NFL level. And maybe they don't even get paid as much anyways, because they get injured early in their career. So I think there's a lot of things there um, that can be examined. Uh, looks pretty good on the surface, but there there are, are some issues I think that could arise if if any of these things go go through. You you hit the nail on the head, and I think it's a statistic Harbaugh has referenced, and I don't know if it's accurate or not, but he keeps saying that I think up to 30 percent uh, of underclassmen who declare for the NFL draft go under go undrafted and or unsigned. So he 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 has said that you know there's already a good portion that that. And he, so his under his proposal, they able to be able to come back to college. But if you open that window to a player going to the NFL after the freshman or sophomore year and testing NFL waters, what are the chances of them going undrafted? I would assume that would that would increase. But you know, it, the NFL is very much in some ways different from a lot of these other professional sports leagues in that you know the draft seven rounds, but and, and a lot not a lot, but a lot of these early draftees, whether it's first, second, you know, third round, a lot of these guys. NFL teams are, are 
planning on playing them right away. They expect them to be NFL ready and NFL capable to kind of plug in and go there. If you let a kid, you know, declare for NFL draft after his freshman year, after his sophomore year on the ability, on the, on the belief that he could be a superstar, a game, uh, you know, franchise changing, changing player, it kind of way it changes. I think the NFL model, it, it, it almost becomes more NBA model where you're drafting on, you know, um, potential or ceiling as opposed to a guy and coming in player in a way. So I think it would change drastically change the NFL. And it's um, much harder to develop guys without a traditional minor league system too. Like, yeah, hockey, baseball, uh, basketball, there are those developmental leagues, minor leagues to prepare guys for a year or two to, to reach the, uh, the top level. The NFL, you don't really, you don't really have that. I mean, you have practice squads, but again, it's much different than, um, than the actual, <laughs> Actual NFL. So, yeah, that's an, another good point that, that uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guarantee you a team would, would love to take a, a flyer on uh, Justin Fields or uh, someone or um, Trevor Lawrence after their freshman year just as they know that potential is there. But, I mean, are you going to wait around three, four years before he, he's ready? I mean, typically a quarterback has to wait a year or two before they feel comfortable at the NFL level, even after three years in college. So imagine – waiting four or five years to, for this guy to finally see the field for you. I, I don't, I don't know if I see that. So. And, and I wonder what, and this is, again, this is me speculating, but with NIL legislation looking like it's going to pass and be implemented here in the next couple of years, I wonder if that's going to change the thought process in some of these college players heads about whether or not to declare, because if, you know, some of these guys are like, I'll just take Donovan Peoples Jones, for instance, you know, he decides to, you know, declare for the NFL draft after his, after his junior season. He had one more year of eligibility left at Michigan. Had he had the ability to come back and, and make money off of his name, image, likeness, whether it's 50, 100, I mean, I don't know, just throw a dollar amount there. Would that curb some of these guys, you know, appetite for making money quicker, like sooner? You know, like that, that's why I'm, I'm wondering if NIL kind of stems a tide of guys declaring early for the NFL draft because yes, they're going to, they stand to make millions of dollars in the NFL, but if you can play one more year in college, perhaps, you know, improve your draft stock, none of that, but still have the ability to make money in commercials or social media or whatever the case may be, if that, if that changes things. So I, I'm curious where how NIL comes into play here because one of Harbaugh's main arguments for his proposal is that guys, you know, who are, in theory, at the top of, the, of their game and, and football, and some of the best players, they want to leave early and make money sooner in the NFL. Well, if they can still make money in college, not granted, it's not going to be as much as they would in the NFL, but if they can right. still make some cash in college and still play and get a degree and, and everything else, does that change things? So I'm, I'm curious to see how, if that plays a factor, but there's a lot going into this. It, it was an interesting proposal from Harbaugh. Does it pass or does it change things? I don't know. I find it hard to believe, at least at this point in, in time. Um, but it is interesting discussion fodder. You know, it's got us talking about it and everything else. And, and Harbaugh's done a round of, of interviews on some national outlets since um, because folks clearly are intrigued by the idea. Um, I saw North Carolina head coach Mac Brown came out and I think earlier this week and, and, and said it, it was, it sounded good to him. And he, you know, he, he, he generally agreed with it, but you're, I think you had another good point in that, you know, Michigan still hasn't been able to hit that top tier in terms of winning, you know, competing with Ohio States and, and beating Alabama's and competing for a national championship. So I, I do think in a way this is Harbaugh's way of kind of leveling the play, playing field in a way. If you can take a couple of those elite players from those bigger programs and allow them to leave earlier, I think that would benefit a Michigan, you know, because Michigan does part of their recruiting pitch to some of these players is that we are an elite institution. You get a degree and should football not work out for you, 
our ed- our education means more than say in Alabama or in LSU or whatever other school. So it's Harbaugh is clearly behind the scenes. You know, I think it is a scheme in his way. It's an idea. It's a way for him to try and get Michigan into that into that that threshold, that top tier. And keep, I mean. Harbaugh's done this before. I mean, I think it was last year, two years ago, he threw out the idea of an 11 team playoff. He's thrown out 16 team playoffs. And that model, it would get Michigan into the playoff discussion and get them into a chance. So it's, and it's a way for Harbaugh to get Michigan in that top tier conversation. Uh, but like I said, I think a lot needs to happen for this to change things and, and come to fruition. Yeah. And, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, the, the NLI is. Uh, a hot topic right now. And I, Harbaugh looks like he kind of changed his tone a little bit recently when he said he, he's all for it and, and completely supports it. Yeah. I thought this was the more, I think, noteworthy, com- more than noteworthy comments from Harbaugh this past week than necessarily the, you know, his, his idea for, uh, for, for college football change. I mean, like I said before, the, the, the one and done proposal was something he's mentioned before. It's just now getting, I guess, major traction, um, but Harbaugh, you know, after he came out with that letter, he, he was on a podcast on Friday with John Jansen. Uh, and it seemed like he changed, yeah, he changed his tune on the whole NIL thing. Now, again, this goes back to last fall when he, when he first mentioned this idea of, of a one and done thing, where he was asked what prompted that, that conversation was a question about California's NIL bill. Someone asked him, what do you think about it? Should it be, you know, you know nationwide thing? And Harbaugh kind of sidestepped the question and, and mentioned the whole idea of, of a one-and-done proposal. But he also continued to say that he was in favor of the amateurism model in, in college athletics. He didn't really expound upon that, but I took that to uh, to assume that he was against the idea of playing paying players additional compensation beyond scholarships and, and what, they're get, what they receive right now. But Harbaugh, anyway, went on the podcast Friday. Uh, he was asked about NIL. Um, and he said, he said, quote, we believe that the name, image, and likeness debate is a very good thing. Uh, it's their name, it's their likeness, it's their image, and they, the player, should have the same opportunity that a football coach has to profit off their name, image, and likeness. So Harbaugh is, is, seems to come around on the idea. You know, again, he, he didn't say point blank last fall whether he was against it, but he seemed to indicate that he was. Um, but he now seems to be in favor of it. Uh, you know, obviously, it's it's uh, as I mentioned, it's it's legislation that it's basically passed the NCAA. Now it needs to be approved, but it looks like it's going to happen beginning in 2021, 2022. Um, so it's it's important to point out here too. Harbaugh's boss, Ward Manuel, the athletic director at Michigan, has, has come out in support of it as well. Previously, mm-hmm. he's been in, in favor of it. Um, so Harbaugh is in favor of it. I think it makes sense just based off of his proposal right now of the ability to make allow football players to make money sooner. Um, but it kind of, in a, in a way, to me, the NIL debate flies in the complete contrast opposite to the whole amateurism model. Um, and maybe, maybe you disagree. I don't know. Maybe folks listening disagree to me, disagree with me on that. Uh, but it, it sounds like Harbaugh is in a very different position than he was last fall in, in that conversation. Yeah, and this whole, this whole NIL concept is it, funny too because I really don't think it's going to affect that many athletes. Uh, like even. Uh, I spoke with two recent uh, Michigan recruits this past week, uh, Tyler McLaurin and Rod Moore, um, two defensive pl- three-star defensive players. And I just was curious and wanted to ask, ask them about it too, if they've been paying attention to this name, image, and likeness um, legislation that's been um, in the news recently. And, and both of them said like, they haven't really been thinking about that much. Like They're going to college to play football, for the love to play football and to get an education. Uh, I think Rod said, yeah, I mean, if, 
I can somehow get paid for a little bit of extra money. Yeah, that's great. But it's not like that's definitely not the reason why I'm going to play college football too. So it will be quarterback for sure. Star receiver. Sure. Uh, maybe a, a power hitter in, in the, uh, who's going to be a high MLB draft pick on the baseball team or something like that. But I don't, or a, a gymnast that's going to go to the Olympics, but I think most athletes aren't going to benefit that much from, um, from this legislation too. I, I which also, which also kind of makes the <laughs> the gap between like maybe uh, maybe some athletes aren't. I don't know. It will be interesting to see because I think the the gap of compensation between the top athletes uh, and maybe like the, a golfer, or a swimmer, someone that that isn't really in the in the spotlight as much. Uh, where there's th- do they feel like that's fair too? So it, it's I don't know. It will be interesting to see how that would play out too. A lot of interesting topics going on. Uh, in, in the sports world these days without much sports going on. So yeah, just a lot of, a lot of debate stuff, a lot of like yeah. interesting wide topics. And you mentioned the NIL stuff. And I think we hit on this last week and week before, but yeah. you're right. I don't think this is going to affect or, you know, impact a ton of, a ton of recruits. I, I think it's going to be the top, you know, maybe 5%, uh, the, the, the big positions. Now, the one thing I think that will help, will help the non-revenue sports athletes are, you know, some of the, the proposals for social media where they can make maybe compensate in a large social media following on Instagram or Twitter, where they can put an ad up there and make money off of that. But when it comes to, I think the, the, the broad face facing thing where it's a commercial or sponsorship right. nationally, that's only going to go to, and even nationally, I think it's only going to go to a handful of guys. Like coming into the season, maybe like a Justin Fields, Ohio State may get like a Gatorade commercial, you know, and like, but it's not going to go to every quarterback. So it's, I'm, I'm curious to see how it, it plays in. I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's going to affect a ton of guys. Will it now? The bigger concern, I think I brought this up last week, is that recruiting impact for some of these top tier guys. I think, I think it's going to help some of the schools and some of the bigger media markets, whether like it's mm-hmm. Rutgers in like New Jersey or in the New York, New Jersey area, or like a UCLA, USC, in Los Angeles, or like even perhaps like an Illinois or Northwestern benefit because they're in the Chicago area. In, in some degree, Michigan will benefit too because they're in the metro Detroit area. But where there's a concentration of money and just a huge media market where companies and businesses and, and people can afford, can, can, in theory, pay these players more than, say, you know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Huntsville, Alabama, or some smaller town. So I don't know how this can work out, and I think that's where the NCAA has to has to figure things out how re- how it's going to ha- happen from a regulation standpoint, and, and how they're going to be able to track the recruiting aspect of this. But it looks like it's going to go through. Harbaugh is finally on board with it, um, and, and he he made point he made a point of saying too when he was asked about NIL that he believes that the NIL is kind of in the same trajectory. Um, that he, his his college football proposal is in terms of allowing these student athletes, football student athletes, the ability to make money sooner and and more money. So it, it, in his his eyes, it's kind of complementary to what he has out there. I, I don't know if I agree with that, um, but you know it's 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 two topics he's come out and, and spoke on you know nationally in the last few weeks. Yeah, people got to remember too. I mean, these athletes are getting their their full education paid for on the football team. I mean. They're, they're getting a lot of advantages that the traditional uh, uh, student d- does not get while they're, while they're in school too. So, yeah. I mean, and, and they're paid one thing they're, too. They're paid cost of attendance too. And that's, they, they, the students, the schools are able to fact, they're able to, they determine on their own kind of, and I think it's cost of attendance for inter, for an uh, out of state student. So they factor in how mm-hmm. much a out of students average, how much out of state student 
would have to pay to, to attend school between travel and, and, and tuition and everything else. So the student athletes, I mean, especially at least the University of Michigan, they're compensated pretty well. Um, like I, know six, some S- I think Ward Manuel said uh, last week it was between like sixty-five and eighty thousand. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot which of is, I mean, if you can make, yeah, that's that is. Uh, if you're making that at your job, you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, even out of, right out of college, let alone while you're in college. So exactly. uh, another another point to keep in mind during during all this, and probably should move on to a little bit of uh, recruiting news this week. Uh, Michigan has landed two more players in his 2021 class. Um, two more three-star prospects on the defensive side of the ball. Three-star safety uh, Rod Moore from from Ohio and uh, three-star linebacker Tyler McLaurin from from Illinois. And I'm kind of just looking at at their class right now. They have 13 players committed, um, six around the defensive side of the ball, and all six are three-star prospects. No four stars, no five stars. Uh, all, all of those players are ranked either uh, 370 or, or below in, in the nation, which um, kind of a, a stark contract from last season when nine of the 13 defensive players that, that they brought in were all four-star guys. So, um, And then last year they didn't have as many high-profile offensive guys, and this year they have J.J. McCarthy. They have three four-star offensive linemen. Um, they have a four-star tight end. So it uh, looks like uh, it's been a little bit of a switcheroo here this, in, during this cycle. Yeah, and I think two things are working against Michigan, at least with this this recruiting class cycle. Um, one, the lack of on-campus visits. They can't bring these kids to campus and show off Michigan's, uh, you know, buildings and, and their facilities and everything else. Now, they are taking these kids on virtual tours, they say, just like every other school is doing. So right. they're, given, they're able to see visually and, and videos and things, but they're not there. They're not getting the firsthand experience, and I think that's what helps Michigan a lot of times, especially with some of the top-tier kids. And then you've got, and I've said this, I think, to Ryan, and maybe off, off, off camera or whatever, off recording, but Michigan has, they've, they've had position changes from, from a coaching standpoint on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you've got a, you've got a first-year linebackers coach, you've got a first-year safeties coach, and look at where both of these position groups, these kids are coming from. It's, it's those spots. Mm-hmm. So the lack of, I think, continuity from a recruiting standpoint, from, from the coaching staff, I think it's hurting them. Now, you know, Michigan's done a decent job in, in years past of developing and finding diamonds in the rough when it comes to three-star recruits. I can think of Josh Uche. Um, Ronnie Bell is a three-star kid, borderline three-star kid. So they're able, they're able to find some of these kids. But the key is not only finding these kids, but developing them. So it's, it's, it's a two-way street here. They've got to get these kids in, and maybe, maybe they've got a host of three-star kids, but they've got to develop them and turn them into – players that are in theory better than what they're, they're thought to be right now. And then they can still do that and everything else. The question then becomes, can Michigan compete in the big 10 with Ohio state and a national landscape uh, with these, with this type of talent history would say probably not, but you never say never. Right. It, it is tough when it seems like every single guy Ohio state's gotten in this class has been a high four star or a five star guy. I mean, they're almost uh, uh, there, there's high, highly regarded four-star guys that don't even have a spot at Ohio State anymore because their class is all, almost already full with with top 100 guys. Um, and Michigan doesn't really seem like to be, at least on the defensive side of the ball, in uh, as as a top school for for some top defensive prospects. I mean, if you're looking right now at a kind of a headliner on the defensive side of the ball in this class, it's most likely going to be linebacker Junior Colson out of Tennessee kind of a fringe 100, top 100 guy. Um, I mean, even four-star Belleville 
um, linebacker Jamari Button looked like he was doing a Michigan lean early early on. Looks like he's more trending towards Penn State, uh, Michigan State, or or Minnesota now too. So it looks like they might lose out there. Um, a lot of the, their guys on their on their recruiting board right now are, are three star guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so when it, when it's all said and done, their the, the average rating between last year's class and this year's class is pretty similar, but it's just it's kind of flip flopped with from defense to offense is the strength. A couple a couple of notes too out of these recruits. I mean, Michigan seems to be. Uh, you mentioned I think uh, Rod Moore from Northmont High School in Clayton, Ohio. That's mm-hmm. the second. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the second committed this second, class yeah. from Northmont, so they yeah. seem to have found a, a pipeline there. Because uh, Dave Newberg in 2019 also went to Northmont too, so that's three guys. In the last yeah, Michigan's three years. been off and on when it comes to recruiting Ohio. They, they they made it a priority when Harbaugh first got here. Then they were getting beat by Ohio State and Urban Meyer, and they kind of went away and went more national. They and they they tried to go back a couple of years ago when they got out of Washington, and um, then he left for Ohio State. Now, you know, they, they've, they've tried in the past and Warner's done a decent job of, of recruiting there. They've gotten some guys out of there. They just haven't been able to do it with the same um, volition as Ohio State has in other schools that have here, have here in the state of Michigan. Because Ohio, Ohio, the state of Ohio is full of high school talent, especially linemen and, just, and, and necessarily, not necessarily skilled players, but more, you know, less you know, non-skilled guys. So it's, they seem to be going there. And then, Ohio, and then Illinois, the Chicago area is starting to become a pipeline um, for for Michigan, I think Sheryl Moore's haven't had a big impact there. Uh, you mentioned Tyler McLaurin, he's from Bolingbrook, Illinois. Um, JJ McCarthy's from the Chicago area. Um, um, so they've got they've gotten guys out of there in the last couple of years. That st- seems to be a, a new pipeline for them too. But they've I've written this before and we've talked about it ad nauseum. But they've really got to win Michigan. They've got to get some of these top tier guys. I think they need to get Jamari Budden. Uh, whether they do or not, I, I know it remains to be seen. But They've really got to kind of hone in and get some more of these Michigan guys. I think to, to you know, in my opinion, you got to you got to secure home base and then go from there. And Michigan's been when it comes to recruiting the state of Michigan and Ohio, they've been they've been iffy a lot since Harbaugh arrived. Right. Yeah, I actually spoke with twenty four seven Sports uh, Alan Trio last last week about this, and um, kind of just because Penn State's uh, kind of caught, gone in and landed some top guys in Michigan in this in the cycle, and uh, yeah, Michigan has. Uh, Giovanni Alhadi, um, uh, high-profile four-star offensive lineman. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they have some battles brewing right now. Donovan Edwards, a, f- a fringe mm-hmm. uh, five-star, four-star running back who would be kind of the, the highlight, uh, their top remaining target at any position this class. We have Rocco Spindler. Um, you have uh, Garrett Dellinger, teammates at Clarkson who – I mean, their mission's right there, but there's also – there's Notre Dame, there's Ohio State, there's Penn State pushing for these guys too, and, and they have to win some of these battles if they're going to compete with, with some of these nations best when, when these guys are right in their backyard. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I think that's the difference between Michigan making that move to that top tier and competing with Ohio State and, and staying where they're at, whether it's second, third place in the East and eight or nine wins every year. So we're, we're going to see. You know, like I said before, I think this – Unique challenge of the recruiting class this cycle because of the, the coronavirus has impacted things, um, but I don't think that's an excuse either. Just because every other school is going through the same thing, so we'll see here. That, I mean, they've still got plenty of time. I think they're still top. They're still top. They're back they're in the top. top 10. Yeah, they're number yeah. 10, 10 overall and, and fourth in the Big Ten. So, 
Another yeah. thing too about this year's in-state class, people thought, all right, Michigan's going to have a huge advantage because Michigan State had a late coaching change. Mel Tucker's landed, I think, what, 11, 12 guys overall in this past month, but none of them have really been the top guys in Michigan. So uh, the door kind of opened for Michigan in the state there, and we'll see if they can take advantage of it. Uh, at this point, it's not; it's a little bit unclear uh, with uh, a lot of, because there's still only six of the top 15 players in the state are committed. Um, so there is a lot, a lot of time left um, to to win some of these battles, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, one more topic thing before we wrap it up, unless there's anything else you want to discuss. Um, Michigan's home opener, or excuse me, home opener season opener. Excuse me, uh, September 5th at Washington in Seattle. Uh, it's still on at this point. Obviously, it's still in the schedule and everything else. But I wrote about it the other day on MLive. But you have to wonder. Um, whether the, if this game is in jeopardy, you know, it, whether it's going to in fact happen like it's supposed to, um, given everything that's going on. You know, we're seeing more and more discussion about leagues going to maybe an all-conference schedule or maybe a regional-based schedule where their non-conference games are against opponents within, you know, a bus ride or, or, or close near, nearby. Um, obviously, Washington would not fit into that that uh, per, those parameters uh, it's a two, I looked it up. It's like 2000 mile plane ride. It would, you know, it's across the country. It just, it just wouldn't fit that. Uh, not only that, but USC's head coach, Clay Houghton uh, spoke to the PAC 12 media yesterday. And he says there are discussions from the PAC 12 to, to pos- potentially play um, an 11 game conference only schedule. So it looks like there's, there's discussion here that game, you know, is certainly in jeopardy. You know, Washington's athletic director, Jennifer Cohen, uh, spoke to a, a Washington podcast just a few weeks ago. Uh, she, she was asked about the game specifically. Uh, she certainly didn't rule it out. In fact, she, she said she hopes it happens. But, you know, she, she did say the schedule and the plans for the schedule this season are going to dictate that. And at this point, it seems like the schedule is going to come down at the conference level. These le- the commissioners and the higher-ups are going to kind of determine how the league is, how leagues are going to shake out. Um, as we said in the past, the Big Ten's unique. I mean, they've got 11 teams in 14 different states, some of which are some of the hardest hit states in the, in the country, you know, Michigan being one, uh, New Jersey being another with Rutgers. So there's a possibility that some of these schools may not play football this fall. They, they may choose to, to hang it up, sit it up. Um, I know it's going to hurt their, their budgets, their athletic department budgets, but they, they may not be allowed to, whether it's state, regu- state rules or, or whatever, federal, you know, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, you know, Jennifer Cohen, the Washington athletic director said, you know, she, she wants to take place, but she said it's too early to tell. Um, we've had that date circled on our calendar a long time. I, I dug into the contract a little bit and it obviously it stipulates that Michigan goes to Seattle this, this fall and then Michigan and then Washington returns Ann Arbor next fall. But there's, there's language in there that for a cancellation that would seem to open the door for this game for both schools to kind of put, put a kibosh on this game or maybe reschedule or, or get, get out of this game in the fall. Um, I can't, there is a cancellation fee of one, $1.5 million. Um, but th- there, there's language in there that says if there's a change, whether it's an NCAA change or, or a, a, a new rule or legislation from the, from local state or federal officials that, th- that these teams can get out of this. So if Michigan remains in a state home or limits, you know, uh, large groupings or, or the state of Washington decides that they could, they could make in theory, Come up, come to an agreement to, to get out of this thing. And and Cohen did make an interesting point at the very end. I thought of the question about the Michigan game and saying that, you know, c- contracts too can be agreed upon to get out of. So if Michigan and Washington both agree that hey, we want to play this game this year, it's probably too much for both of us. 
let's get out of it. They, in theory, could probably choose not to enforce the cancellation fee. And I think that's more likely what would happen. So we'll see, um, you know, if Michigan does, in fact, not play, it's going to then it calls into question of what are they going to do with the date? Are they going to play 12 games? Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh was uh, interviewed today with Dan Patrick um, on the show, and he said that he's talked to other Big Ten coaches. He believes that there, there's discussion that, that there, they may only play a conference schedule. Um, but again, at this point, it's all speculation. It's all conjecture. I will say Big Ten, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren hasn't been very public about his comments or, or his thoughts on things. He did appear on CBC last week. He did say he anticipates making some type of decision on fall sports uh, in six to eight weeks. So I would presume by the end of June, early July, we'll have an idea of A, whether football happens. Right. And it looks like it's heading that way. But if, it, if, if they do play football, what the schedule is, is going to look like. Yeah, to me, I just I, one thing I don't think it's been talked about a lot is yeah, like most people agreed that in order for college football to be played, students will have to be back on campus. But I mean, the way I how I've interpreted things with the experts kind of expressing caution about reopening too early, and and just to think that there's bars, schools, college campuses aren't even open yet, and to me that just seems like a college campus just seems like a prime place of where the virus would be able to spread the easiest i mean college kids like to go to the bars like they like to throw house parties i mean are they going to be wearing masks out to the bars and, and doing mm. their thing and or wearing uh masks to house parties and then those kids go to classes with with these athletes too i i just feel like transmission of the virus would be really easy if, if this college life goes back to how it typically is like that's what i i see to be the biggest obstacle to overcome here is kind of containing college life with i mean like we went to college so we we, we love to have a good time but at the same time during this pandemic it's like i i don't know how how that's gonna work and i mean if you go to the bar and one person has it think of how many people one person interacts with on a typical night um so i just i don't know that that's just in my head right at this point when i'm thinking of how feasible is this um I mean, I could be off base here, but that's just kind of where I'm I'm at at this point and what I'm thinking. No, I don't, I don't think you're far off. You know, Dr. Anthony Fauci is, you know, the head of infectious disease uh, prevention in the U.S. Has, has said publicly that they expect the coronavirus to return in the fall. And right. there's, there's a, pre, a pretty good assumption at this point that there won't be a vaccine. So there's nothing that's going to prevent us from getting right. it or picking it up. Um, you're right. What, what happens if the disease returns in the fall or teams... If what happens if one player tests positive or like seven players test positive, do they quarantine the whole team for the week and not play the game? Like there's a lot to, lot to hammer out here. All it takes is one or two th- breakouts and it's going it's gonna <laughs> to become schedule. a disaster really quick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, you, what you wonder how this is all going to happen. No, I, from a, from a school standpoint, Michigan has said that they plan on having some type of an on-campus instruction this fall. I think they're calling it public health informed, whatever, whatever that means. But it, it sounds like that they're going to try and have some in cl- in-person instruction. Um, you know, University of Michigan President Mark Slissel has said that it, lar- their ex- expectations are, for, especially for the large, larger classes, like the lecture halls and things, those mm-hmm. won't be held. They'll be more online. Um, it sounds like Michigan's going to try and give it a go. And, and they have said, both mm-hmm. Slissel and Ward Manuel have both said that if there's on-campus instruction this fall, they're going to try and play sports. Um, and, and I get it, you know, the athletic department budget from at least Michigan and, and many schools across the country hinge on football being played. 
Um, so I, I understand the idea of trying to play, but all it takes is one domino to kind of fall, and this this thing could completely blow mm-hmm. up in their, in their in their minds or in, in their plans. So we'll see. Um, it's gonna again, it's too. It's gonna depend on the state of Michigan getting their act together and a opening the stay at home orders and allowing group group large groups to happen. Because I mean, keep in mind, Michigan or football teams aren't. They're, they're, they're not like it's a few guys. It's 100-plus people yeah, yeah. for the coaches and coaching staff and staff and everything else. Uh, so it's allowed them to congregate and convene and practice and go up one against one another and then play a football game is a lot to ask without uh, a breakout happening. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's May 12th. We've been talking about this now for the better part of six to eight weeks. But I think the next six to eight weeks are going to be key in determining you know, what actually happens in, in the fall. For sure, for sure. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for this week's two-man edition of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. We'll be back next week with with Andrew. We'll welcome him back and uh, have a lot more. We'll see what will what will come this next week. But uh, what we thought might be slow, it seems like every week there's something that's been popping up. So yeah, join, we certainly join us have again it. next week, and we'll talk to you then. All right, see you.